All right. Well, hey, we are so glad to have you with us today. I'm Pastor Brian, and if you are here in person, isn't it good to be together? It is so good to be together, and we're so glad you're here. And uh, if you're online with us, we're so glad that you're watching online with us right now, too. God is so faithful and so good. And there is no doubt that whether it's a pandemic or whether it's our own stuff, our God doesn't allow anything to stand in the way of his plan and his purpose. And so you need to be encouraged today. I'm here to, to encourage us to equip us, and I believe empower us, to live the life that Jesus has called us to live. And so we're in this incredible series called Things I Wish Jesus Didn't Say. And uh, if you're online with us or, uh, you know, tracking along or you're here in person, we're we're what I like to call a talkback church. And so feel free to comment, say hallelujah, amen. Uh, Whether you're online or in person, that is all a part of responding to God's word together. Amen? Okay, that was all right. Amen. We'll get there. We'll get there. And so uh, as we get into this today, uh, the, the topic, the subject, the, the big idea is take me back. Say that with me, in fact. And if you're online, comment in there. Take me back. Take me back. There is this reality that many of us probably are feeling and sensing and really wanting to, to say, take me back to, to March. Take me back to February. Take me back before all of this has happened. And here's what I, I want to share with us today as we get into God's word is that there is something deeper God is doing. There is something deeper that our Lord is doing, and he wants to take us back to that place with him. Maybe for the first time, but for many of us, it's going to be a return to who he is, who he wants to be, the, to that passion and that fire we once felt. God wants to take us back and give us the tools and resources to stay in that place. You could turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, as we get into this, I want to share with you a story that I heard recently. Uh, There's a Hall of Fame baseball player, Rod Carew. Some of you recognize that name. He was a great, great baseball player. And a few years ago, he actually had a heart transplant. And in the backstory on this is amazing. Uh, Rod Carew went through this procedure to receive a, a heart transplant. And what they found out later is the donor of that heart was a man that was a professional base, or not baseball player, but a professional football player, uh, Conrad Rulin. Conrad tragically died at age 29. He was a professional football player, and he wanted to donate his heart. Now, here's what's amazing. Conrad had met Rod Carew as a child. Conrad had actually met Rod Carew as a child at a baseball game and said, someday I want to be like him. Jump ahead almost 20 years. And Conrad tragically in his passing donated his heart, which ended up inside of Rod Carew. And when this was shared on the news, this is the moment where Conrad's mother actually was asked by Rod, would you like to hear your son's heartbeat in my chest? And if you watch this unfold, it is incredible. As she listens for a moment and then immediately recognizes, and she says in the clip, I memorized the rhythm of his heart, and that is his heart. And in tears and with joy, she was taken back 
to be able to hear the heartbeat of her son. Here's why I share that story. Our God says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit. I will put that inside of you. And I believe today our text and where we're headed is going to cause us to listen once again to what he's put inside us, to listen once again to who he is and to say, take me back to that place. Take me back. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is sharing what we know now as the Sermon on the Mount. And in the first four verses of Matthew chapter 6, he he reminded us to quit playing games, to, to not put on a show with our giving and our doing good, but to do it sincerely and simply for his glory. And as we pick up in verse 5 through 18, as I read this to you, I want you to hear a return back to the heart of the Father, to return back to to who Jesus is and some of the basics that he has for us. In verse 5, he says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners, who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't yield us to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that it is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. If you're taking notes and if you've heard what God is saying, I believe the first thing that we need to to latch on to here is this idea that prayer and fasting shapes us privately so that God shines publicly. That in fact, prayer and fasting are a part of the basics that, that all of us should be taken back to, that that is what it means to follow Jesus, is to be somebody who says prayer and fasting are a regular part of my diet. And yes, I say diet with fasting on purpose. To say spiritually, there's a connection that is there that God impresses into us that is a part of what it means to be intimate and to walk with him. It's what keeps us fresh. It's what keeps us connected. It's what helps our hearts stay alive. Prayer and fasting are part of the basics. But they're to be done privately, Jesus says. And here's the thing, and where I want so badly as your pastor to make sure we don't miss this, that, that we live in a country that in many ways has tried to privatize our faith. 
And there is nothing about our faith that is meant to stay private. There is nothing about our faith that is just Jesus and me. It's always Jesus and me for the sake of we and for the sake of his glory and his spread on earth. Come on, church. That in fact, what God does privately is meant to make a difference publicly and to shine for his glory. And so fasting, what it does is it removes distractions that when we fast from food, even if it's just a meal in a day or it's a full day or it's a few days, it removes distractions so that we can focus on God, hear from God, and be intimate with God. It creates dependency. And I don't know about you, but uh, COVID-19, stay-at-home orders, pandemic, all of the things that have unfolded have stripped away so much of what you and I depended on. And maybe right now God is saying, hey, you're panicking, you're freaking out, you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do, let me take you back to the basics. Let me take you back to say, hey, all of that might have been good, but it's not the main thing. And so lean into me, pray fast, allow me to develop an intimacy with you. Because when that happens, then God begins to shine and people begin to see things through our life that they know aren't us. That they know there's no way. I know them. There's no way that they did that without God. A few years ago, I was asked to to open a uh, business leaders event in prayer. And I've never shared this story before. and, And I share it to give God glory because I was asked to, to, to pray to open this event in front of hundreds of business leaders. And, and as I prepared for that, I was tempted to script the prayer, to write it down, and, and, and to, to read it with you know, great oration and delivery, and, and to make it a dramatic moment. As I prayed about it, I felt very clearly the Lord saying, no, no, you are to pray, you are to fast, and you are to trust me in that moment for the words and so right before I uh, was asked to come up to pray, I, I'll never forget it. I knew there was some, uh, 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 you know, it's a business leader's lunch, and I knew not everybody was on board. And, and so uh, one of the organizers came over, and they, they kind of put their hand on me and said, hey, when they finish this, they're going to introduce you, and then you're going to come up. And, and, and by the way, 50% of the room right now doesn't want you to do this. Good luck. You, I can't make this up. As that happened, I just looked at them and was like, okay, <laughs> like, woohoo, here we go, right? Here's what God did. I, I got up. There was nothing special, I believe, about what I said or what I did, but the Holy Spirit was present. Because I had prayed, because I had fasted, the Holy Spirit was present with me. And I can tell you that after that moment, a couple of unique things happened. Because God was shining publicly. One of them was multiple people asked, was it videoed? Can we get the recording? I preach a lot. I don't get those requests very often. I'm just saying there's something different about that moment when people said whatever that was. And these weren't people that normally attended our church. These were people in the community saying, can I get that? That what you just said. Yeah. yeah." All they knew is yes. Because they were hearing from the Lord. But here's where it gets amazing is within a few days of that moment, 
A ministry that I was a part of, a ministry that, that had been looking for property for a few months and had no opportunity, had, had had opposition, and in fact was struggling, got a phone call from somebody sitting there who, to our knowledge, didn't know Jesus, but decided that something different had happened and we want to work with those people. And it led to a miracle and a purchase of a building, and only God could have done that. I'm telling you, what we do in private is meant to have an impact public for his glory. And so let me deconstruct this a little bit further for you. What is prayer? Prayer is simply talking with God. Prayer is talking with God. It's having a conversation It's being willing to be real and to be open, not for his approval, but because he's already, if you have Jesus approved you, and he wants you to know him. He wants to affirm you. He wants you to know you're loved, you're accepted, that that in fact he sees you and he's with you. And, And so prayer is talking with him, which in any good conversation means we both speak and we listen. That we listen and we learn and we respond. And so prayer does not need to be something we only do on a Sunday or before a meal. Prayer is meant to be something that's, as the late evangelist Tom Skinner said, is like breathing. That it's just a part of who we are. God, I need you. God, thank you for this moment. God, God, you're with me. God, I, I know you can give me wisdom for this project at work. Or God, I know you see how they mistreated me. Give me your grace. God, can you picture this throughout a day? Just talking to God. And so Jesus then launches in to what does it look like to pray. And did you notice he said it doesn't need a lot of words. In fact, others try to put on a show with their prayers. He's simplifying it. He's simplifying it. We pick up in verse 19. He says this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us, or don't let us yield to temptation. Rescue us from the evil one. And so as we're talking with God, Jesus shows us four very distinct things, the basics of prayer. And I want to unpack this for us today. The first is that prayer should begin with praise. That, that in fact, yeah, there's a moment of crisis and crying out and saying, God, I need this. But in general, in general, our prayers should begin with praise. That, that he says, our Father in heaven. Yes, let's give him a hand clap for a minute. Let's praise him. He is worthy of our praise. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus is the name at which all names, all people will bow. He is worthy of our praise. And so when it says here that our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, it is a moment of Jesus saying, as you pray, open with praise. Open with remembering who you're praying to. You aren't talking to your your homeboy or your homegirl. You're not talking to your spouse or your friend or your kid. You're not talking to a co-worker. You're not talking to a neighbor. You are talking to God Almighty. And he 
is the one who can answer what is wrong and missing and what you need. And so we begin by praising and reminding even ourselves. It's not like he doesn't know who he is, right? He knows who he is. But that praise begins to open the way for us to remember who we're praying to, who we're talking with, who we're listening to, that he is able, he is all-powerful. Secondly is purpose, that, that we're praying for God's purpose in our life. It, it said here in the text, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, as you praise me, you also need to ask for my purpose in your life and on the earth. The kingdom of God is a now and not yet reality. That in fact, Jesus' kingdom is his reign and his rule. And that begins in the heart of men and women that are saying, Jesus, I want to live for your purpose, not my own. Jesus, I don't want to just call you Lord. I want you to be Lord. I want you to call the shots. You see, some of us are confused on our purpose. We're wondering, what what are we going to do in this next season? Uh, What does God have for me? And rather than us coming up with the plan, rather than us trying to figure it out, rather than us trying to to reorient ourselves after a very disorienting season with COVID-19, what if we went to Jesus and we said, that's right, that's who you are, and and because of who you are, I want to see your purpose, whatever that means for me. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, I want to live for your purpose and for your kingdom and for your will. If you're taking notes, write down next to that the word surrender. Because without surrender, without saying yes to Jesus and taking up your cross and saying not my will but yours, that purpose can't play out. See, God is able, but he's looking for people who are willing People who are willing to say yes to his purposes. Thirdly, is the provision. You know what's awkward? Is when you're preaching and your phone goes off. I got to be honest, I'm sitting here for a moment going, who is it? Who is it? Are they going to turn that thing off? Then I realized it's in my back pocket. God has a sense of humor, and thankfully I do too, right? (laughs) Oh, that is so funny. And so we praise him, we have purpose, and then there's also his provision. There's also this reality of Jesus being our provider. Did you catch it? It said, give us today the food we need And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. There's a physical provision and a spiritual that Jesus is pointing out here. That Jesus is saying as we pray, don't just get caught up in the physical provision that you need. Yes, remember. And and did you, like this is so important. We live in a day and age where we're tempted to hoard, where we're tempted to stockpile, where we're tempted to prepare and and all of those things. And and, and that's between you and the Lord, what you do with that. I'm not going to give you an answer either way. What, What I'm going to say is regardless of how the Lord leads you, daily we should be a people that are depending on him. That we shouldn't be looking at our shelves or our checking account and saying, look at what I did. 
Look at, look at this. I got it. We're good. No, we should be praying and saying, Jesus, you've led me. You are my provider. You are the one that I depend on for everything. And because of that, I'm going to give you thanks. That's why we take that pause before a meal. Many of us pray before a meal and give thanks. It's just remembering where it comes from. And in, in America, where we're drowning in affluence, where we have more than any other country, sometimes we need to be brought back to the heart and to the basics and to realize that part of our prayer is, is saying, God, physically, you're my provider. It's not a stimulus check. It's you. It, it's you that provides and makes the way. And then spiritually, there's a provision that God makes. He, he says, help me to forgive you see, Jesus provides us with the grace and the mercy. He forgives us so that we can forgive others. That provision is so critical and part of our prayer life. It's what leads to freedom. It's what leads to us enjoying life and not carrying burdens and weights that we weren't designed to carry. Fourthly is protection. Verse 13. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus is acknowledging that there are forces of evil on earth, that there are temptation that comes our way, that there's a very real enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And that part of our prayer life is asking for God's protection, of saying, God, if I'm going to stay on your path, if I'm going to follow you, if I'm going to be true to who you've called me to be, I can't do it without your help. I can't do it without your protection. I can't do it without you guarding me from things like COVID-19, but also from my own mind and my own heart that gets tempted and strays. That Jesus, I need your protection. And that takes a level, praise God, that takes a level of humility to be able to say, God, I'm going to mess it up without you. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to fall without you. Take me back, Lord. Take me back to that place of intimacy with you and dependency on you. He is our protector. And his presence provides that protection. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, the only safe place for a sheep is by the side of his shepherd. Because the devil does not fear sheep, he just fears the shepherd. That is incredible to think about. To realize that part of what prayer and fasting do is bring us back into the presence of God. And it's in the presence of God that we find direction and provision and protection and blessing. Some of us, that is what God is calling us to. Is to say, hey, this thing called COVID-19, is still around. It's not over. Things aren't going to go back to normal anytime soon. So are you going to come back to me? Are you going to go deeper with me? Are you going to allow me to do what I want to do to get into my presence, not just on the weekend when you might be hearing this message, but during the week to be a people that are leaning into his presence because that's where we're going to find the victory. Now, to close here in verse 14 and 15, 
I believe Jesus was very strategic. He's laid out prayer. He's laid out giving. He's laid out doing good. He's laid out fasting. And then it's almost like he, he pivots. It's like he made a mention of forgiveness in his prayer, but now he's going to pull it out and highlight it even more. Because it's almost like he knows how critical forgiveness is to a healthy relationship with God. That in fact, forgiveness is central to a healthy relationship with God. Receiving forgiveness for our sins, but also us forgiving others for the sins they've committed against us. That in fact, forgiveness is a key and is central to a healthy relationship with God. Here's what he says, verse 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you, not, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now to be clear, Jesus is a forgiver of our sins. He covers us with his grace, his atonement, his blood covers us, and we are there for his children, his sons and daughters. We are heirs to his throne, but we're also people until his return that still have this thing called a flesh, a flesh that feels a certain way, that gets upset, that struggles with other people, and Jesus is saying that we need to be a people of forgiveness that in fact, as he came to set us free, that our freedom is linked to forgiveness. So let me ask you, if you're here in person or you're watching online right now or hearing this on our podcast, who is linked to you right now that Jesus is saying, would you forgive them so I can set you free? You were never meant to carry them. You were never meant to walk with that person into this moment. That you're carrying around this extra baggage and it has a name and a moment and it's been a place of pain in your life and Jesus is saying, will you forgive them and let me set you free? Come on. Our God is a God of freedom and we are not meant to be linked to the people that have harmed us or hurt us in those ways. We aren't meant to carry that. Only Jesus can carry that. Our God is amazing what he does in setting us free. It's amazing what Jesus does, how he does it, when he does it. It's his timing, not ours. And for some of us right now, there is something God is doing in our hearts that is taking us back to how good he is to what he's able to do. And I want to take you to the cross for a minute. I want to take you to a moment in Jesus' life that was full of pain, that was full of a moment where he could have held on and not forgiven those that were harming him. He could have made it about himself. He even could have kept forgiveness from those immediately around him in this moment. But here's what God does and shows us through Jesus. That pain is often the place that gives birth to our purpose. Pain often gives birth to purpose. 
that often what happens is in a place of pain, we've misunderstood it and we haven't realized how God wants to use it. And in Luke chapter 23, Jesus is on the cross. We're going to pick up in verse 32, and it says this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Can you picture it? Jesus has been beaten within an inch of his life. He has been embarrassed. He has been ashamed publicly. Humiliated is what they've attempted to do. And Jesus in it is now hanging on the cross within seconds of his life being given up by him. On the left and right are two other criminals, people that deserve to be there. People that had earned the sentences that were given to them, that weren't holy, that weren't the Son of God, that weren't perfect, that belonged there in that moment. And Jesus, in that moment, says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. That was done to humiliate them and to cause fear in their hearts as they saw what Rome was doing to their so-called king. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Can you picture the moment? Jesus is there. People are are scoffing. They're hurling insults. The person right next to him is doing this. And Jesus' heart is a heart of forgiveness. A heart that says, despite the pain, despite what is going on, I know my God is fulfilling his purpose for me in this moment. Pain gives birth to purpose. And then you have this incredible snapshot of the heart of God. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die, verse 41, for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come in to your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus could have looked at him and said, man, you earned this. Man, it's too late. It's the 11th hour. There is no way. And Jesus instead looks at him and he says, you'll be with me in paradise. I forgive you. I forgive you. That is the heart of our heavenly father. And in that place of pain is that man hung there on the cross getting what he deserved. Jesus birthed his purpose. Because that man's life to the last breath held the potential for God's purpose. And in that moment, that man had no idea that 2,000 years later we would be talking about him 
and the purpose God actually had for his life. Pain gives birth to purpose. About a year ago, I felt led to go back to a place of pain in my own life. I felt led as I worked with uh, somebody that was helping mentor and kind of counsel me to, to go back to my childhood roots. I hadn't been to this particular place where I grew up in the thumb of Michigan. Come on, Michigan, where you at? Got a few that are from here, right? And so I, I, I went back to the east side of the state, to the thumb of Michigan, to the place that I grew up. And here's the thing, there was, there was as I went back, as, I, as God took me back to that place, there were things that were exciting and were celebrating, things I was thankful for, but there was also within that pain that had occurred. Things that, that I didn't need to fear, I didn't need to avoid any longer, that I needed to lean into and press into because pain can give birth to greater purpose. And so let me show you a couple of pictures of walk down memory lane. This was the home I grew up in, in childhood. This was a, the home that, that I, up and through uh, sixth grade, lived in. So many good memories in this home. And as I went by it, and as I thank God for it, I, I immediately began to sense some of the hurt too. Because that was a home we, we had to move from that we had to move to another town. And, 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 and it happened in a moment, in a, in a way that, that caused me some pain. But then I drove around, as I'm going around town, I was seeing other memories, other things. And I came to the church that I hadn't been back to in almost 30 years. This is uh, the church, Lamont Missionary Church in rural Thumb of Michigan. That, that in fact, I began to develop a real heart for Jesus. That in fact, I began to come alive in my faith. And that just before we moved in this field, the next picture, there was a tent revival. And it, at that tent revival, you know, somebody in a white suit with, with big hair, right? And I've said this before. If I ever get to that point in my ministry where my hair gets bigger than the ministry, talk me down. Help me, all right? Come approach me and say, Pastor, your hair is too much, your hair is just too much, okay? And so this, this was somebody that God used in a moment that I wouldn't have expected because they called forward to the altar. They called forward to this place and said, if you feel called to ministry, and at age 11, I received this call to be a pastor. I knew I rebelled and ran from it because of my pain, but God made it clear. You are to be a pastor. The place of pain had given birth to my purpose. I believe there's some of you that, that need to actually go back to some relationships, go back to some moments in time. You may not be able to physically do it like I did it, but with the Father in prayer, you can go back and you can begin to allow Him to minister to your heart and to set you free because He wants you to see His forgiveness and how to forgive others and how to allow that pain to not hold you back, but to position you with Him for your actual purpose. Come on, church. Come on. I believe that Jesus wants to do something. 
And in that right now, I just want to pray for you. We, I am so excited about the song that we're going to respond with today. So if you're watching online, don't leave after I pray. Stay for the song. Stay for this moment and let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. Because when we begin to say, take me back, take me back to that place of pain, take me back to the basics of what it means to pray, to fast, to be intimate with you, to depend on you, to be on fire for you, to not be held back by the pain, but to forgive, I believe God is going to do some miracles today. That God is going to set some captives free. That he's going to begin to say, hey, you thought that that moment defined you? I want to redefine you and show you how I want to use that. And so I want to pray for us. And then we're going to have a chance to come uh, to the altar. If you're here in person, we're going to stand and we're going to worship. And if you want prayer, we'll socially distance, but we'll pray for you. All right. If you're online, I want to encourage you, if it's safe, stand up. Stand in this moment or go to your knees with the Father and say, God, take me back. Take me back. Set me free. Don't allow anybody to be linked to you that is not meant to be linked to you. It's only Jesus that wants to link to us and to lead us forward. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to encourage you that even like that thief on the cross, you may have thought it's too late, and I want to tell you it's not. That our God sees you, he loves you, and he wants to offer you mercy and grace and forgiveness in this moment. And so I'm going to open with a prayer to receive Jesus, and then I'll continue to pray us into responding. If you want to receive Jesus right now in this moment, I want to encourage you to the first part of this prayer to just pray with me. Let's go back to the Father today. Let's go back to Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We are in awe of who you are, what you're able to do. And so in this moment, for anybody out there who has never received you as their Lord and Savior, just as that thief turned to you on the cross, we turn to you and we pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins and that you rose again. I ask you today to forgive me of all my sins, to fill me with your Spirit, that I may follow you all the days of my life. Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, in this moment, as I continue to pray for those that just received you and for those that already know you, I'm asking that you would lead us back into your presence, that you would take us back to that place, that you would light the fire once again. Give us a fresh start, Lord. Give us a fresh start in you as we worship you, as we praise you, as we call on your name. Jesus, we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. Take us back to that place. Meet us right now. Give us a fresh start. Help us to see you and our purpose in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. 
let's worship him together. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is able.